Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. We're going to jump straight into this. It's in Psalms 24. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to come back and go back and chew on it like we always do, okay? So here we go. Uh, It's the Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your, he- your, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, and the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Now, uh, I read that, and you, I'm starting to get excited. Like, like, we've been asking for, what, six, seven weeks, who is he? Well, I'm going to tell you who he is. I'm going to tell you who he is. He is the king of glory. He is Yahweh Sabaoth. Okay, the Lord of hosts. So he is Yahweh Sabaoth. Now, what I want to do is I want to break this down for you because I don't want to throw something at you that's going to confuse you, okay? Because a lot of you know the first name of God as being Jehovah. Okay, so what I want to show you is, is that when they, were, when they were translating the Bible from Hebrew into English, they did what's called transliteration. Okay, so they took letters and they built words out of it. Now, what, his name is yod hed vod Okay, that's the, that's the four Hebrew characters that make up the name Yahweh. And so whenever I say Yahweh and you say Jehovah, we're talking about the same God, Okay. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is that Jehovah or Jehovah is the English name of the Hebrew God, Yahweh. The same way as Jesus is the English name. Oh, hold on now. Don't nobody start throwing stuff at me. But Jesus is the name of the Hebrew rabbi named Yeshua. Okay, so you feel me? Whenever you see me say Yahweh, think Jehovah because I'm just using it in the, the Hebrew versus the English version of, of it, Okay. But that's how they got there, is they, they took and where, where there's an A and an E in Yahweh, there's an E-O-V-A, and they made it Jehovah. They made it a three-syllable word instead of a two-syllable word. There are no vowels in the Hebrew language. It's only consonants. So you get a lot of uh, room for imagination. But this word, Sabado, what I want to tell you is it's broken down. It's a, it's a, it's a, the root word of this is Saba. Okay, now Saba, S-A-B-A, T-S-A-B-A, is the word for basically um, host. Okay, and a host is a military term. It's host armies of great number. And so host can be anything. Host can be just a great number of anything. And so the word Saba is used more than 270 times in the Old Testament. It's only used twice in the New Testament, once in Romans uh, 9.19, I think, and once in the book of James, okay? And 
That's the only two times it's used in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it's used again and again and again and again by great prophets like you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah. They, they use it over and over and over again, this word, this, this term for God, the Lord of hosts. So from the word Saba, meaning armies, then you get Sabaot, which means the Lord of or the captain of. Okay, So you see this in the book of Joshua, whenever he encounters in chapter 5, the, the captain of the host. He encounters an angel. And we know this because the word uh, captain is Sarah. That's where we get our word seraphim, the, war, the warring angels, S-E-R-A. So you get this Sarah, this captain of the uh, Sabah. Uh, you you got to stay with me, okay? I went to the Hebrew. This is what it says. It says he went to the Sarah, the Sarah of the Sabah. In other words, the Lord of the host. This angel commander comes to him and he says, who are you for? And this is why I want to get to this real quick this morning. Who are you for? Are you for us? In other words, the Jerichoholics, or the Jerichoheights, I'm sorry, I'm thinking more wrestling than I am thinking the Bible. Jerichoheights, or are you for us? And the captain of the Lord host says, neither. I am for the Lord's will. Kick off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I feel like some of you need to understand that the captain of the host is in the building. You need to kick off your shoes because the ground's holy right now. I didn't want to ruin it with announcements. I didn't want to jump past it. I didn't want you to miss this moment. If you're desperate, stay desperate. The Lord of hosts is in the house. The captain of the host is in the house. In other words, not just God's in the house, but he's got his warring angels here. You know how I know? Because it's already been decreed and declared to be surrounding this place and up and down every aisle. Because it did that this morning. I walked around this place and I believe that whenever I pray those prayers, it happens. I believe when the prayer team comes together and they're standing in unity over this service, the warring angels are circling. They're going to war. So if you came in desperate, don't leave desperate. Leave fulfilled. He is Yahweh Sabado. And so this term... Of Yahweh Sabbath, it says he's the Lord of hosts. I want to break this down because we're going somewhere this morning. If it seems like I'm going a little fast, I got to get somewhere and I got to get there quick because God's wanting to do something today. Okay? Like, I'm not joking. Like, this has been high alert all week long. God's wanting to do something. So, if you need something, you about to, he's about to do something. You get what I'm saying? So, here we are, Yahweh Sabbath. Well, first, he commands all the earthly armies. So, whenever Goliath and David, they come out in, in, um, Wait a second, what is that? The 17th chapter. The 17th chapter, we get introduced to this little cat named David, okay? In the first Samuel, 17th chapter, you, you, we get introduced to David. Now, I could, I'm going to just tell you, if you've never read the first three verses of the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17, you need to. And go back and look up what every one of those names mean. Because when you see who Jesse really was, Whenever you look at his name and you understand who he was and you understand who David was and you understand from whence they came and then you go and read about the battle of, of David out on the, in, the, in Gaul against Goliath and, and, and he comes out and he says, how can you come to me with just this one line? Because the Israelites, whenever they fought, they fought in a single line and the Philistines, they brought multiple lines and he's calling them dogs and David gets out there probably all five, four of him. And he says, you come with me with your weapons 
but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts of Israel. At this point, he's saying, I'm coming against you with the Lord of the host of Israel. In other words, you think you're fighting us, but he's fighting you through us. Oh, I'm gonna let that sit for a second. See, men think they fight wars. Men think that they're the ones that command these armies that go vents and come forward. But I tell you, everything works. Everything that has ever happened on the earth, God hasn't done it, but he's been in control with it. I mean, he prophesied that to Israel. He said, you know what? When you're with me, I'm gonna be with you. But when you're not with me, I'm gonna let other armies come in and overtake you and destroy you, until, but I'm gonna leave a remnant. And if you look at their history over and over again, as they've been with God, he's been with them. And whenever they move away from God, other cultures come in and try to destroy them. Up and down, up and down. It's called the diaspora. It's the up and down of life. It's the belief of the Jewish people that they have highs and lows, and that's life. And they have it personally, and they have it as a people. And they go times where they're high on the mountain and times when they're low in the valley. Well, there's a lot of truth to that because each one of us do that too. It's like that line in the movie uh, Parenthood where he says, man, roller coasters would be boring if they were all flat. You know, our lives are gonna have to have those times in anticipation where we're climbing up the times when we get to look out and say, oh, wow, look at the view, and then we go right back down. But that's the way it is. And so here in this place, he's saying, I am, and, and he says it over and over and over again. He tells through Daniel, he says, I will send my armies, speaking of the Babylonians, speaking of uh, Philistine, speaking of enemy armies, I'm going to send my armies. Now, how could the God of Israel send armies against Israel? Because he tells them. When you're with me, I'll be with you. I'm not going to destroy you, but I will live a remnant. But you're going to know you've been in a fight. So here you are. He's first, the first part of this is Yahweh Sabbath. He is the commander of all the armies of the earth. The next is he commands the armies of heaven. I want you to check this out. In Daniel chapter 7, there's this prophecy of four beasts that come up out of the, out of the ocean, okay? And one beast has this little annoying horn don't get caught up in all this. But anyway, this horn has got a mouth, and this mouth, it starts talking and bragging about what it's seen. Okay? So this is a vision that Daniel's in. But this is what it said, okay? Starting in verse 9 of chapter 7. As I watched, thrones were set in place, and the ancient one, okay, this is Yahweh, the ancient one, the ancient of days, right? Took his throne. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair was as pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and the wheels were like burning fire. A stream of fire issued and flowed from his presence. And thousands, thousand, and a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood and attended him. Okay, catch this. God is on his throne. And there's thousands of thousands that are there serving him. And there's 10,000s upon 10,000s waiting to do his bidding. That's the throne in heaven. The angels. So this, whenever it says he commands the heaven's armies. You know, it's like in, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, where he says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and he was seated on his throne. And the, and the, the train of his, uh, his robe filled the temple, and around him were angels. 
that these four living creatures that had four faces and, and, and had six wings and with two they covered their faces and with two they covered their feet and with two they flow and they sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to go. You see what I'm saying? Like, we have this picture of him being the commander of the angel armies. Now, if he's my papa and I've got a fight, and he commands all the armies of the earth, and he commands all the armies of heaven, what do I have to worry about again? Like, no, 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 because we all get caught up in that stupid emotion of fear and anxiety. Why should I worry? Why should I fret? BB and CC Winans has a song that says, ain't no need to worry what the night's gonna bring. It'll be all over in the morning. You know, that's the truth. There ain't no need to worry what the night's gonna bring because it's gonna be all over in the morning because he goes to war for us over and over and over and over again. And then the third thing you need to realize, I told you I'm flying because I got somewhere I'm going, is that he commands the heavens. So, I love it. You know, the last time I preached, I talked about Canis Major, the big dog, the star that was so huge that I got revolutions and rotations mixed up with. But this star is so big, it is the Earth's revolution, right? Is that the right word? Around the sun like 200 times. That's how big the star is. And Psalms 33 says that he breathed the heavens into existence. That's how big your God is. That's the Lord of hosts. So host means armies on earth. Host means armies in heaven. Host means the stars. I look up into the sky and I see the host and the greatness of of your creation. Have you ever tried to count the stars? One, two, never mind. Right? So, Here we are in this place where he is so big. Now, when, well, let me jump back. Into Psalms 24, I want to read something to you. First, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The world and those who live in it, he has founded it on the seas and he established it on the rivers. Some some versions say on the floods. Okay, but here's the thing. Right here, this first part establishes him as being the commander of the heavens, of all of creation. In other words, everything that was ever created is his. That's how big your God is. And even the problems that you've created in your life, he accepts ownership of. I'm gonna let that. Even the problems you created, he receives ownership of because everything in the universe, everything in creation is his. Even your mistakes, even your poor choices, even your conscious decisions to disobey him, they're his. Because he made them his whenever he paid, with them a, a, paid a price for them on the cross. He made them his, he paid for them, he owns them. He owns your problems, so you don't. Stop. Hmm. This is good. You think you own your problems, but your problems are owning you. They're dictating every decision in your life. Now, I don't know what your problem is. He does, because he owns it. 
It's his. He's already paid for it. You, you feel what I'm saying? Now I'm going to jump this next part and go down to verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. The king of kavod. The king of glory. We did, we did like a seven-week study on the word kavod and glory a couple of years ago. Y'all remember that? The kavod, the kavod, however you want to say it, the kabod. There's about 12 different ways to say it because we're not Hebrew and we always mess up translations. But the real is, this glory of God, he is the king of glory. He's the king of glory. He says, who is the, the, that the king of glory may come in? So we've been asking, who is he? David asked this question. Well, who is this king of glory? He answers, the strong, the mighty. That sounds like he commands armies. The, the Lord, strong and, the strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. So there's the command of the earth armies and the angel armies. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. In other words, he's asking the question, who is this king of glory? Yahweh Sabado. The Lord of hosts is this king of glory. Think about it. You've got thousands upon thousands of thousands of thousands of thousands of thousands of angels that are at your disposal. You don't think there's a presence of glory around that? I mean, come on. Like, every time an angel showed up in the Old Testament, somebody was falling on their face. Must have been pretty glorious. You feel what I, I mean? I, I'm trying to get you to a place of here, understanding exactly what's here. Like, it's, it's almost like Elisha on the field with a young man, and he's like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's like, open his eyes and let him show the reality of the battle. And whenever his eyes were open, he saw all the chariots and the armies of the Lord before him on the field. You see what I'm saying? Like, we need to pray for the eyes to see exactly the way things really are. Because we get caught up in the physical. We get caught up in what we see and what we know and what we hear and what we feel and what we think. And then we start asking questions like, are you for this or against it? It doesn't matter. I am neither. I am for God's will to be carried out on the earth, period. What if we took that stance? What if we were loving people while taking that stance? Hey, are you for or against this? I'm neither. I'm for God's will on the earth. How about you? It ain't about my opinion. Because what I think is stupid, some other people don't think is stupid. Like jumping out of perfectly good airplanes with, it on, with parachutes made by the manufacturer who can give them to the government the less. That's the reason why I never went airborne. Thought that was dumb to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with the parachute maker who bid the least on the parachutes to get in the contract to the government. Like that just didn't seem safe or wise. So I never went airborne. Just seemed like it was setting me up for failure. You know what I mean? And then you're trusting somebody else to pack the chute. It doesn't matter what I feel, what I think, what I know. The only thing that matters is that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, period. So, everybody out there on Facebook, stop asking me what I think about things. 
Because I'm neither for or against anything or anyone. I just want God's will to be carried out on the earth, period. So if you're agreeing with a yes in your heart that God's put there, guess what? I'm going to be agreeing with a yes in your heart that God's put there. Because that's what I always say. Come on. According to your will, God, I'll agree with this yes. What if we did that? What if we stopped having to be right about everything and we just started having to be love about everything? I'll say it almost every time I'm in this pulpit. You can be right or you can have relationship. Very rarely can you be both. You can have relationship or you can be right. Very rarely can you be both. 26 years of marriage, trust me. You can be right or you can have relationship. So here in this, thank you, somebody. (laughs) Psalms 24. In the first part, it explains, hey, he commands the heavens. In the back part, it talks about that he's the commander of the earth's armies and the heaven's armies. But now it's time for me to take that hard left turn that everybody looks forward to in my messages. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who is not lifted up in his soul as an idol, come on, nor sworn, sworn deceitfully. He, ha, he ha, shall receive blessings from the Lord, the righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, or your face, Selah. If you've ever wondered what Selah is in all the Psalms, it just means rest, chill, take a break. It's actually a period of undefined rest. But check this out. He's got this other question, not who is this king of glory, but who can be with this king of glory? See, there's a story in the beginning of 1 Samuel where this woman, man, she wants something. She wants something bad. She wants a baby. And Hannah, every year faithfully, every year faithfully, every year faithfully goes with her husband to the temple and prays and worships and sacrifices because that was their tradition. And see, he was a polygamist, meaning he had more than one wife. And the other wife, I think her name is like Panera, but not like the bread. She's got kids. She's got sons, daughters. But she's the second wife. She's the lesser wife. It says that her husband loved her. He gave her a double portion. Check it. He gave Hannah a double portion of love. And she was barren. See, y'all check this, okay? It's the people who are the ones that you see as being barren who need the more love. The ones who don't have the fruit, those are the ones we should be loving just that extra portion more. Because you never know what God wants to do through them. Y'all don't have to feel that. I feel it. So, Because um, there's a lot of people out there who aren't showing the fruit right now that need to be saturated in a double portion of love so that whenever the time is for them to bear fruit, they have that love there to tar- carry them through to give that fruit out. See, I don't need you to love me when everything's going good. I need you to love me whenever I'm dry and barren. I need you to love me whenever I'm not producing anything. I need you to love me in the places where I don't feel like I'm worthy to the second wife. You've made me the first wife, but I feel like the fifth. 
And she would just talk that smack. Panera would just, nah, yeah, 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 yeah. And it says that it made Hannah downcast in her spirit. Desperate. Desperate. So desperate that she gets into the altar. She prays without words. She weeps. To the point that Eli, the priest, says, woman, what are you doing in the temple drunk? He thinks that she's been drinking and she's in there drunk in an emotional fit. And she's like, you don't understand. And then she prays a desperate prayer. And I'm paraphrasing all this because I want you to catch this. I feel like some of you are in a desperate place for something. And this may not be a baby. It may be a job. It may be a breakthrough in your relationship. It may be a cancer that you need healed. It may be a miracle that you need in your life. And you're in that place of the temple. And you would, if, if you were in that temple right now, you would be crying in the altar without words because you don't know how to express what's going on inside, Hannah. And no one else understands either because they just see you drunk and in the altar. And she prays a radical prayer. She says, if you'll give me a baby, I'll give him back. If you'll give me a baby, I'll give him back. And God gives her a baby. Samuel, the prophet who anoints King David. But he is raised in the temple. As a child, she gives him to the temple. And he's raised in the temple. And guess how often she sees him? Once a year. And it says that after she had Samuel, Samuel, her womb was open, and she had other sons and daughters. They're not even mentioned by name. Because she was so desperate that she she was willing to give whatever God gave to her back just for the joy of experiencing it. See, some of us just want to know what peace in our house is one night. Young person, you just want to know what it feels like to be accepted one day. I get it. I mean, I'm not not sitting up here thinking that I'm totally disconnected from this. There's some things that I've been so desperate for in my life that I got into the altar and I weep without words and just let my spirit groan to his spirit so that he would know what's there because he already did. But for me to express it meant something to him. It was my sacrifice. And I really feel in this place that he says, how do you get there? Well, she came to him with the things that he outlines here in 24. Whoops, went the wrong way. First, clean hands and a pure heart. Pure actions. Pure intentions. And what's the promise there? You'll receive blessings and vindication. Blessings and vindication, not in that version, I don't think, but in another version it says vindication. I put the wrong version up there. But it says you receive blessings and vindication. And in 1 Samuel, it says actually the word, she was vindicated to the second wife. When when Samuel was born, Hannah was vindicated. See, what I'm trying to tell you is, thank you, Holy Spirit, for that drink of water in this direction. Some of you have got some people in your life that are looking at your situation and laughing. Some of you have got some people in your life 
that are saying this is never going to work out for you. Some, you got some people in your life that are saying you're never going to birth that thing that you're looking for because it's not in you. you got some people in your life that are laughing behind your back, laughing to your face, that are saying things about you about what they perceive and not what you have received. See, people are looking at your life thinking they got you all figured out, but they don't know that in the altar you're weeping without words. You feel it? And, it's, and it says, blessings and vindication. How? Pure actions, pure intentions equals blessings and vindication. For those who seek his face. Pure actions, pure intentions equals blessings and vindications for those who seek his face. Now, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say seek his face. I'm gonna tell you. You're coming to God, and if you're asking him for something, you're looking at his hands. But if you're worshiping him, you're seeking his face. See, what that says is that whenever I pray, I'm not praying, Lord, I need a miracle right now because of blah, 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 me, 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 me. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me and don't take your Holy Spirit from my presence and cast me not away. And God, according to your will on the earth, move. And I'll be obedient in that. Shift. And I'll go where you shift. See, Jesus said it best. I've done nothing lest the Father has first. Right? What if we did nothing lest the Father first told or showed us? Now, I'm not saying, Lord, is this your will for me to go to Taco Bell or to go to Burger King? I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about these decisions we make every day that are big life decisions that he needs to be in the middle of. Like, where am I going to send my kids to school? Where is my kid going to go to school or college? What's going to foster their purpose and their future the best and not just whatever team I want them to be on or whatever thing I want them to go and do? Because let me tell you, no matter what you go to the university for, that's not your purpose. Period. God did not put you on the earth to be a widget maker. It doesn't say anywhere, go ye therefore into all the world and be a doctor. Go ye therefore in all the world and make widgets. Make disciples. Like our purpose is to worship. Our purpose is to worship. Our purpose is to worship. Like we are to make him the object of our adoration. That's what our purpose is. Our purpose is his will in the earth. Our purpose is what he wants, what he says. So whenever you ask me my opinion on it, my opinion doesn't matter. I'm not for it or against it. I just simply want to see God's will move in the earth. Whatever that looks like. Because if we start making it about topics, if we start making it about issues, if we start individualizing sin, we're going to end up having a lot that we have to deal with in our own. 
if we started making everything a sin issue and making it about what, let's just make it about his will. What is his will in the earth? And so seeking his face, Hannah, she sought his face. Whenever she was in the altar and was praying without words, she was seeking the face of God. She was saying, I mean, because it wasn't just like one year she came and prayed. It wasn't like two years she came and prayed. The way that this is repeated over and over in Scripture, like this was multiple years, possibly even up to a decade. Over and over. You ever wanted something that long? You ever been on a road trip with somebody who don't know how to stop? So you riding down the road? I ain't talking about like a need of hunger or thirst. Your pupils are starting to float. They've already passed three rest areas. And they're just trying to get to that loves up in Coleman. I need you to stop. Are we going to have bigger issues? What if we let that kind of anticipation, that kind of need, because everybody knows exactly the need and the urgency I'm talking about whenever that kind of need hits you. What if we came running to God with that same kind of urgency in our hearts for him to fill us, for him to touch us, for him to move in our situations? Some of you, I can look on your faces right now and tell that you're already in that place, that you've been crying and groaning into the altars for years about something to move, and you have a burden on you that you don't express to people because now you've just started carrying it all the time. It's actually you're so used to the weight that you don't know what you would do if God removed the weight. So a few years back, I think I've talked about this. My wife put me on this horrendous thing called the keto diet. And this is while I was serving in Haiti. And I dropped like 50 pounds. And I go back and I look at pictures before I went on this horrendous thing called the keto diet. And it's a totally different dude looking at me. Not because of the weight, but because of the car- what, what I was carrying in that season. See, I was carrying stuff I didn't realize I was carrying. I didn't realize how much I was carrying. I didn't realize that I had gotten to the weight where I was. I didn't. It just happened. And it became a part of who I am. So I noticed that as I was walking up and down those hills and going up and down those trails and doing all that stuff in that 100-degree heat and that 100-degree humidity... It was easier. I could carry more. I could go further. I could last longer. See, some of you are strong and mighty in battle, but you're weighed down. You see, you, you, you've, you come to him with as pure hearts and pure hands as you can. He blesses and he vindicates you, but when you seek his face, there's something in the way. It's that weight that you carry because you refuse to let him carry it. He's the Lord of all creation. Your problems are his. And if you're desperate today, you need to let him have ownership back of those things. For real. I told you I had to fly because there's something that's going to happen. You can come on up, Steve. Just uh, if you will, just play breeze whenever you come up here, please. If you don't mind, just play breeze.
um, the first thing that we need to do to activate and apply is we need to recognize what Yahweh Sabbath commands. See, Scripture says in Genesis that Yahweh gathered in his hand dust from the earth and he blew into it and created man. Right? This is yes, this is no, this is I don't know. Okay, so Genesis says that he picked up dust, blew into it and created man. Yes, I'm gonna help y'all, okay. Then he promises to Abraham what? That your descendants will be like the sands of the desert and the stars in the sky. Right? Paul writes that we are the, and Jesus says it too, that we are the, progen- the, the progenery, progenery. In other words, we are the offspring of Abraham, right? And then what does Jesus do in Acts 2? He gathers up all this dust and Holy Spirit comes and blows life into the church. He gathers up the host. He gathers up the sand. He gathers up this dust that is too numerous to count and blows life into the church again. That's how you see Jesus as Yahweh Sabado. He is the Lord of hosts. Because he came to earth and he gathered up this dust and he blew into it and created life in the church through the Holy Spirit. So you need to recognize first what Yahweh Sabado commands. Then you need to keep your intentions and your actions pure. Where I'm going with that is, is sometimes we do the right things for wrong reasons. Sometimes we will love people without actually loving people. You, You feel what I'm saying? Like, there's this uh, guy that's got these videos I I used to love watching around, like, 2000. And one of them is called Flame. And he talks about love, like it's it's these three flames. But he says, I love my wife and I love tacos. Like, we throw this word of love around and we don't really even know what it means anymore, you know? Because love is an action. Love is a verb, like DC Talk said. Love is a verb. It's an action word. And so when we're loving people and when we're saying things to people in love, make sure you're doing it in love. Because, man, there's a whole world full of Hannahs out there right now trying to figure out what they're going to do with some things. There's a whole world out there right now that's divided about some issues. And on both sides, there's hopelessness on every issue. And we don't need to be bringing judgment. We don't need to be bringing pride. We don't need to be bringing na-na-na-na-boo-boo. I don't know what you would call that, but we don't need to say I was right and you were wrong. Because whenever I read about love, love is patient, kind, and keeps no records of wrongs. See, like... They were known because they acted like Christ and they were being like Christ. That's why they were first called Christians. And every time Jesus found somebody in a place where he could judge them, 
except for the brood of vipers that were the religious leaders. He showed compassion and love. There's a whole world right now that needs our compassion, our empathy, our love. On both sides of an issue, no matter where you line up on the issues. And there's multiple issues out there. Neither for nor against, but the will of God. That's where I sit. Man, that sure does sound like neutral. Then you don't know my God. You don't know my God if you think he's neutral. I mean, come on now. Even neutral company, countries now are wanting to get into these, wanting to start having voting rights and move into, oh, hey, we're not going to be neutral anymore. Switzerland, we are no longer going to be neutral. We, we you know, because they see the threats. But neither for nor against, just the will of God. That should really be our stance. Because the message is Jesus and his covenant is love. That's the message. That's the message that the world needs today. Not that I'm right and that you're wrong. The, the message is Jesus. His covenant is love. He loves you. Doesn't matter any of this other stuff. It really doesn't matter any of this other stuff. We want to think that it matters so much, but it doesn't matter because if we're not preaching Jesus and we're not preaching a covenant of love, it doesn't matter. It's a banging symbol. You've got to love people through your right and wrong. You've got to love people through your right and wrong. And with identity issues going on right now, gun control issues going on right now, racial issues going on right now, women's rights issues going on right now, everything, every level that we can be divided, we're trying to be divided on. Wake up. Wake up. Stop making your life about the issues. Start making your life about the issue of Christ. I'm just being real right now because you can get as opinionated as you want on anything and still be right the wrong way. And so keep your actions and your intentions pure when you're reaching out to someone and you're saying, I do, I'm doing this because I love you. Truly love them. Put some action to your love. And don't tell somebody you're going to pray about it if you ain't going to pray. Man, I hate lying Christians. Tell me you're going to pray about something. Forget it as soon as I walk off. It's my world's falling apart and you're just, I'm going to pray about it. Arrest the moment. Do it right then. That way you don't become a liar. Sorry. Um, I get a little fired on that. And the last thing. Seek his face. Seek his face. That's where I'm taking you right now. Some of you have got something in here and you need to seek his face and your pride is keeping you from seeking his face. I'm gonna just go ahead and call you out so I don't have to call you out by name later. Some of you have issues that your pride is getting in the way of that you need to get in front of him and seek his face on. Because you're looking at his hands too much. You're worried about what he's gonna give you that you don't, you're not focused on his presence, his presence, his presence, his presence. It said that his, his, his throne is encircled by fire. Everything about that picture in Daniel is there's all this fire. Well, let me what, tell you what happens in the fire. In the fire, the dross is burned out. 
the chafe is burned up. All the impurities go away. You may feel that heat and pressure right now. And it may be just like blazing in your life. Ask the question, what are you trying to get out of me? Because see, scripture says that the refiner watches the gold, the silver until it's right. And it's right whenever he sees his reflection in it. It's right whenever the refiner can see his reflection. He knows it's time to pull the silver off of the smelt. Is the world seeing his reflection in you? God wants the world to see Jesus in me. So I must live a life that reflects his glory.